This podcast is brought to you by Overtake Motorsport. Hello everyone. Welcome to another edition of WTHK. My name is Pedro Dorantes. I am joined once again by both halves of the Hunt Brothers. Alex, how are you doing? I'm getting on as well as I can. COVID will get to you at some point, as it has done with me almost two years on. I I legitimately believe I had it and the vaccine saved me. I'm thinking it has had an effect as well. Yes. Uh, Alex, how are you doing? Now I get two people with COVID history in this podcast. Well, technically, we're all got oh, COVID Oh, and I said Alex. Oh, Jesus Christ. You said Alex twice. I said Alex twice. Yes. Chris, how are you Sorry, doing? Chris, I think it's time for you to leave. That's it. It's just Alex. <laughs> two Alexes and Pedro. That'd be a hell of a time to edit. <laughs> I'm not I thought you started a podcast. <laughs> I'm it's the weird spin off to three men and a baby. It's two Alexes and a Pedro. Uh, I'm not doing too badly, thank you. Um, yes, I've had my week off from school this week, which has been quite nice. And yeah, um, probably doing better than Alex is. But of course, I had American COVID, which we know is far more dangerous, far more like, you know, r- ravenous, shall we say. So anything Alex says and does, he's kind of overacting a little bit. Just because you've you got can't... a medical history that's normal. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, thank no, God, yes. none of you guys got Texan COVID. Texan COVID, that's the one. That's well, the real one. Because everything's <laughs> bigger in Texas. <laughs> so, so are COVID deaths. But anyway. Yeah. Speaking, yeah. speaking of Texas, there's a um, special race this weekend, isn't there? Yeah, Texas. but not Texas. <laughs> Is, isn't it Daytona? <laughs> Daytona it's not in Texas. Texas. Is that not in Texas? I thought that was in Texas. Oh, okay. It's not very close to Texas either. It's in Florida, you fool. You just oh. the whole East Coast. Why was I thinking of Texas? I know Texas has got a very... Oh, there's the Texas uh, tri-oval, um, isn't there? Maybe I was yeah, thinking Texas, of that. Texas Motor Speedway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, let's start the podcast again. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Texas, there's a big race in America this weekend. Saved it. Indeed. <laughs> but there, there are bigger news than the race, uh, and this is coming from a NASCAR fan, there there are way bigger news than the Daytona 500. Yep. The man I think we all wanted out of the sport, speaking about F1, is actually out of the sport. I thought Matt Spencer had a drive. Matt Spencer's the second guy. Oh, I see. Sorry, yes. Um, yes. Oh, the I wonder who it could be. Oh, I'm just thinking. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Hamilton did retire then, did he? His name starts yeah. with um and ends with Michael. Oh, Michael Andretti. Finally got him out after that useless season in 93. Well, actually, it's funny you say Michael Andretti because I've just seen news coming in that apparently he's putting a bid for 2024. <laughs> yes, have I. What is he doing? He's putting the uh, bid for an F1 team for 2024, uh, Michael Andretti. And it's, the Andretti uh, it's Andretti Global. Make it 2023 and buy fucking has. That's a good yeah, it's point. It's Andretti yeah. Global having a team for 2024 season. Hmm. That now, apparently Andretti Autosport have confirmed, but whether that actually happens, I'm not so sure. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing them in F1. 
In fact, I don't know why they haven't actually gotten a NASCAR team already. Yeah, they're aiming their sights rather high and uh, kicking off, but it worked. Well, to say worked for Haas, they've not had a they've not had a torrid time, but also they had quite a lot of other motorsport accomplishments behind them before they entered F one. So coming in as a completely fresh team would would be interesting. Of all, of all people, Michael Andretti, I know he, he scored a podium, but he does seem like he has some um, some unfinished business in F one. He's constantly popping up with it. So it'll be intriguing to see if that's actually the, he finally gets his own back, for want of a better phrase. Indeed. Um, let's go back to the the proper, you know, the Michael we were speaking of yes. before everything else began. <laughs> um, so Michael Massey said of F1, break the move in zero to a 10. I'm pretty sure what the answer is going to be, but break it anyways. What, so break the decision? Yep. It's the perfect, it's the only decision that was possible. Indeed. Not just because of Abu Dhabi, but because of everything that led up to it. So the, the lack of backbone, Saudi Arabia, dodgy safety things like Turkey 2020, sending everyone out and qualifying when there's a truck on there. And he said, yeah, I thought it'd be all right. thought I'd get away with it. Hmm. Not a good start. But yes, overall correct decision. Yeah, I think obviously it's, it's kind of publicly the decision that had to be made because his name was so clear in the forefront. And yeah, the way you look around it, regardless of whether you're a Mercedes fan or a Red Bull fan or an in-between, yes, it was his decision that ultimately affected the outcome of the race. So he did kind of have to go. Because if if he didn't, that, or that leaves a terrible precedent for future races. And also terrible potential fan backlash because that means going into races you'll start getting the signposts people saying Mazzy out people have like a personal vendetta against the guy mm. I think something that has been interesting and I'm not going to be rousing support for Mazzy here with this but it's good that he's got a little bit of sympathy from the fact that actually they admitted that maybe he was doing too much at once in the first place granted he still could have done it better but maybe the fact that the team bosses were literally talking directly to him whilst juggling certain other things Maybe something like this had to happen so that the appropriate measures could be taken. But yeah, he had to go. It's a good decision. It's the right decision. Um, I, I've heard he's still going to be taking some sort of a job within the FIA. Not too sure what that's going to be. But yeah, I mean, to be fair, would he want to continue the role? After having all of that, after I'm sure he's seen some of the social media stuff, would he even want to continue that role afterwards? Because I imagine his confidence would have been pretty badly shaken. And all it would have taken was one more thing to go slightly wrong. And everyone goes, oh, so yeah well you you immediately you immediately hit on the point that can you have a referee as the term that is used by Mohammed bin Suliam? can that referee be bigger than the sport he has been bigger than the sport for the last two months and not in a good way i know in football you had kalina uh 20 odd years ago but he was very good at what he did and you could make it work but with a referee that is worse can any sport, not just F1 or not in motorsport, just any sport at all, deal with that? No. Yep. Because F1 wouldn't be able to handle it because it's still a little bit incompetent. But yes. even the American football, football or soccer, wouldn't be able to deal with that at all. Mm. So it, it kind of had to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing as well, on top of that, um, I remember seeing a tweet from you, Alex, on the uh, at Brothers Hunt official Twitter, um, that the people Hunt, that Brothers hired, F1, get it right. That's, that one, what you said. Um, I remember you saying that they hired so they'd re they'd hired some people which actually restored some of the integrity. What were those names? Uh, it's Freitas and oh, who's the other guy? Is it Vitic? 
basically it was this i'm assuming you mean the one after it was announced yes yeah almost directly yeah. afterwards because you had i think it's eduardo freitas the um the race director from the wec oh okay. who is, good start it's it's the dtm guy and the wc guy right yeah, I think is it Vitich? I want to say it's Vitich. It's it's something like that, but it, I don't think it's that exactly. But yeah, it's the DTM guy and the WEC race director, mm. both of whom will now share races, which is odd. If you're looking for consistency, you have one race director, but if they're singing from the same hymn sheet, fair enough. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Freitas has a, from what I can work out, a certain aura about him, which is. Don't mess and follow the rules, which, which is, is mm-hmm. kind. It's exactly what F one needs right now. It, yeah, that that was. Those were exactly the same words I was going to say. It, you need an iron fist at this point. Michael Mazzi was not that iron fist. Charlie Whiting was. So hopefully we'll move more to that. And more importantly, Herbie Blash is now involved, and that is the biggest coup I think F one could have made over the last two months. Because Holy Blash is an absolute legend who everyone respects. There is no BS with him. And everything will be done properly for as long as he's there now. And it is, yeah, that's a huge step up for F1 to bring Blash back. Mm. Because somebody automatically coming in with respect is exactly what it needed. There's no way they could get somebody else to try and build up respect. That's going to need a little bit of time before that can happen again. It needed somebody with it's, it's gonna it's gonna sound weird saying this about Herbie Blash. No offense to the Herbster, but come somebody with the like blockbuster material kind of name sort of thing. Somebody who's done it and is well known and ergo therefore respected. So, as you said, it's one of the biggest coups. I quite like that way of phrasing it. It's what F one needs to paraphrase Batman. Um, and uh, Herbie Blash is the hero, not the hero they deserve, but the hero they need right now. Yep. Uh, the one thing that won't be quite as smooth with Blash, I fear, is the lack of Charlie Whiting and the lack of Bernie. Because you got okay. to remember, Bernie, Charlie, and Herbie uh, were all part of Brabham. That's how Bernie. they worked together. Yeah. And not ha- losing, having one without the other two could be very interesting because you won't have the backup of Bernie because Bernie was all-powerful. You also won't have the backup of Charlie Whiting, who is always going to be on your side, because they were singing for the same, same hymn sheet. So I want to see how that works, but at the moment, it's a win-win. Yeah. <clears throat> no, uh, the other thing, do you think the sport will go back to being a little bit more um, reserved, so to speak? I, I know the radio messages with the FIA are going away, but... Could we see the end as well of uh, instances like uh, like the camera angles with Dr. Wolf, for instance? No, because that's not an FIA remit. Yeah. I think the FIA, if it got any sense, will take the back seat in terms of the attention, get on with the job at hand, build up the respect again with everyone, mm-hmm. prove they can do it between the three of them. And yeah, go from there. I think F1, Liberty Media F1, We'll keep doing that sort of thing because that's their job. They're AI. They're an entertainment company. Yeah, I think. I think the thing as well. The 
the camera cutting to pissed off looking people when stuff's going wrong in Formula One has been around for quite a significant amount of time. You can go back to Michael Schumacher looking like he wanted to knock uh, six six shits into um, uh, David Coulthard uh, back in Spa 1998, like that sort of thing. Sometimes you need it there. Granted, I think we did see a little bit too much. And then uh, I think the issue is as well, and I've, I've said this time and time again, and despite that, I'm still on it. Uh, the social media side, the fact uh, Toto turning into Terra Toto became like a meme of some things means it's going to be more saturated in the market than possibly without having that source. And we can't change social media. Social media is going to be there in one form or another forever now. And if it's a meme, if it's something controversial, as long as it's not actually something that's going to bring disreputation to the sport, I can't imagine Liberty Media uh, would want to be getting rid of that sort of perspective, especially when you think of things like Drive to Survive, where about five percent of that is racing with the wrong sound effects and the other 95 percent is cutting to cameras of people in the garage that sort of thing so i like drive to survive don't get me wrong but there's a few things there um but yeah sometimes when it's got that side to it if you see it in drive to survive and then you come in to watch the races you're going to kind of want to see that as well and seeing toto wolf having hissy fit and smashing a table is one of those things couple things I will not be watching Drive to Survive. You didn't ask for it, but I will not be watching it. And number two, <clears throat> sorry, I hope, I really, really hope they take out the that pit stop camera, the one that spins. <laughs> I so hate that yeah. The one that goes, yeah, the 360. Yeah, that's they really st old. They, start, they started to build up loads in like 2017. Then it went away for a little bit and then it came back and it's just the worst thing. It's like, Why? Because when you first see it, you think, oh, the cameraman's dropped it. Oh, no, they're trying to be fancy. And and it doesn't like it doesn't let you watch anything about from the pit stop. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah. Very I, old. Can't, I can't really see, like, imagine seeing the guy. I can't really, like, imagine why. Well, something like, if we make them spin around, they'll think they're the steering wheel. Uh, the racing wheel. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really get it. Especially in this in a sport which is so fast and needs clarity of camera, deliberately obscuring all vision you have for a cool gimmick. Emphasis on the word cool. Um, yeah, it's a little bit of design. Yeah, I agree. That needs to go. Of all the things in Formula One that would be not missed in any way, shape, or form, the spinny camera on pit stops is absolutely one of them. Yeah. <laughs> now, <laughs> there's one other thing. It, it actually it, it overlaps uh, the other topic for the, for uh, today's show. Ferrari, well, Ferrari's car leaked a day before the launch. Mm -hmm. So my conspiracy theory, which you guys retweeted on your Twitter account, is that and rightly so delivered by Ferrari. So the news wouldn't be overshadowed by Michael Massey. Mm. I think yes, that's I mean, a genius idea. I think that is genius thinking from you, Pedro. Hmm. We've it makes sense, and especially if this is coming because two two big things in one day, yeah. Especially as Ferrari are looking like they, looking like they think they've got a good opportunity this year, they kind of wanted to go right from start to finish. And if you're like, our day is going to be shadowed by the Mazda getting fired, yeah, a few you'd throw it out there, wouldn't you? And the thing is that like most of the cars this season have been leaked in one way, shape, or form. Theirs was rather, what's the word? Rather comprehensively leaked, shall we say? Like in some, you got in a little snapshot of a car. This one was like, oh no, it's everything. And yeah, I think it makes a good point. Also, it builds up excitement. You get people talking about it. And this is one of those situations where, especially with social media, all news is good news. Um, let's face it. Obviously, for I would like to save it for their launch, but to have the kind of spotlight for that day. Were there any other cat? That was that's the only car released that day, wasn't it? Yes. yes. I don't think we have seen actually 
No, this year we haven't had those days in which two cars launch at the same time. Yeah, I don't have that this year. I assume that was agreed, uh, you know, beforehand. Yeah, I think so too. Everyone Uh gets their their bit of the limelight. But yes, Uh yeah, I I think as conspiracy theories go, this is one that has quite a bit of credibility. I I vouch for that. Mm -hmm. Although I quite like the the, the leak of the Alpine, which turns out wasn't a leak at all. That was quite (laughs) funny. I didn't see it. Was it just like the front wing image? It basically, it was just the front end of the car. It was the up till the cockpit, and it had the the blue, and it also had um. So you know the, the McLarens in the late eighties, early nineties, the Marlboro McLarens. It yeah. was like that, but the white was blue, and the red bits were pink. Oh, the okay. green split there too. And I thought it looked great. I was looking forward to it. I and everyone it. just went, "Nope." I like that. I want to see that livery because I think that would be epic. Okay. Yeah. I like it. I'm because the thing is that the fact they called it the Miami Vice car, I'm like, right. Well, I want a Miami Vice car now, and that looked Miami yeah. Vice. I mean, I want it to be yeah. 80s. I want it to have a perm, like all this sort of stuff. It's got. It's, if it's going to be just the last year's livery, but with pink, I'm going to be severely pissed off. That it's not part of El Plan. You want that with the Phil Collins soundtrack on it, and that is the 80s sorted for you. Oh, every time I drive past, it's not an engine sound. It's just do 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 do. Good lord. Mm. Um, so if that was the case, then we would have an 80s car in Alpine and a 90s car in Ferrari. Pretty much. The 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 Ferrari did definitely hark back to what Alex has once called one of their best looking cars, I believe, on one of our videos. And I also yeah. on Twitter, by the way. Hmm. That's thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> there you go. That I mean that that Ferrari. I mean, everybody can make a solid amount of money every year if they just bad gamble that the car's going to be red. I mean, let's be honest, they're never going to change that. Mm-hmm. But this time, the last time I saw it, and I liked it off the bat, like more than I normally do on average, and Alex is going to hate me for this, was the 2016 car, which had the red, the white top. I liked that when I first saw it. I thought that was different enough. The fact there is very little different with this than the average Ferrari car, but yet it stands out and looks so good. I love the Ferrari this year. And that nose, oh, gorgeous. Absolutely love the Ferrari. What is it about the car? I, w- I was thinking about it this morning. And, and for me, it's the fact that it, it just looks incredibly clean. I mean, Ferrari cars don't look, they don't look cluttered by any means, but this is, no. you know, especially clean. It's, it's, it's very nice that it doesn't have a giant, ugly, bright green M on it. That's a big thing. That's really a step in the right direction, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it's always the win. And the thing is that Alex and I had an amazing idea last year saying that M, they should be able to green screen and put like advertise, like, you know, put um, separate sort of like, if it's on TV, they could like green screen the flag of that country into it. No, it's just a green thing that was there the entire time, which is a cheap way of getting people to pay attention to a failing cigarette thing. Um, but no, like, I think the fact it's so clean, it's uncluttered, it's sharp, for, more, for want of a better phrase. It's just a red and black car, but there's something about it in particular that just looks... I think possibly as well, the, the shape of the chassis lends to it. It actually works quite well with the decision they've chosen. I kind of wish they'd gone for a darker red, like the one we saw for the um, anniversary livery, but at least it's not half and half. It's kind of one succinct thing now, and black with red works quite well. Not sure about their race suits, but I'll be spending more time looking at the cars, so I'm just, ha- I'm just happy it looks that nice. I like the race suits. Oh, I like. I think they're brilliant. I, yeah. I like parts of it, but there's some parts where I'm like, why? Like, for example, the Shell logo, which has a red background, they put in the black part of the suit. Ah, they've changed it. Have they? Yes. It's now oh, underneath it. the black bit. It, oh, if you look fantastic. at the thing yesterday, they, they, their interview in the suits, it's just below. 
the black line and it's back in the red and it fits brilliantly. That's it. Ferrari 2022 World Champions. I wouldn't say no to that right now. Oh, it's, oh, God, yeah. it's, it's a great looking car. It's proper Ferrari 641 and ooh, yeah, it just looks brilliant. It would pull on it is the equivalent, the human equivalent is an Italian bloke in a white suit walking into a casino and looking perfect and on it. It's like it's a James Bond element thing. It's walking into a casino and looking brilliant because every time you go onto a grid, that car is going to stand out by looking amazing. So last year, last year it was almost there. You had a big green pesto stain like the big M on the Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you've clearly eaten food before you came out. So uh, <laughs> get yourself changed. Come back next year. Look, the fact it's so big and obvious makes me feel like you want me to look at it, and I'm not yeah. happy about that either. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, I think it's as close to the perfect Ferrari livery you'll ever get. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I no, can't think of much else you'd do to make it better. The one thing that I, I, I literally just ask myself right now. Will this translate to the um, Ducati bikes, MotoGP? Ooh, change the white to black. That'd be interesting. I don't know if that's part of their history being red and black. No, but it, I, I mean, genuinely don't been, know. They've been really similar for the past couple of five or six years. Hmm. Yeah, they'll always be red, but I'm, oh, I don't. I don't know enough about Ducatis and bike racing and liveries to make a judgment. I'm- I've always known they've enjoyed being a little bit separate, but if they're, starting to, if they're starting to form a bit more partnership together, like what we've seen with McLaren and their Indy car and Extreme E exploits, wouldn't be wouldn't be a bad start. Mm-hmm. Now, McLaren... Also, no, what were you going to say? I was going to say also, as well, on the team kits, I love that Leclerc has a white stripe with the red that looks like Monaco, and mm-hmm. um, Sainz has a yellow one for Spain. I, genius touch. Yeah. So good. And I mean, it... it, it it also makes like it, all, it it turns into like what what happens with the hats you can choose whether one this driver's hat or this other driver's hat or you can do the same thing with shirts mm-hmm. it's great marketing having a slightly different suit therefore different hats and shirts it works brilliantly indeed it's not better than daniel suarez's hat from nascar with a candy skull on it but it's both <laughs> <clears throat> now mclaren your thoughts on the car and on the, 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 you know, the little blue thing that it's not blue as in golf, but it's blue enough. Mm, I like it. It's not, it doesn't bowl me over, but I like it. It's kind of weird. If we're, we're going to compare it to the Ferrari quickly, because that's the one we've spoken about. The Ferrari seems kind of retro, kind of classic. The McLaren seems to be a step in a completely different direction whilst trying to do the other thing. I think it, the, the adverts on it make it look quite futuristic. I think the design is quite contemporary for want of a better phrase and there's just not enough blue to make you think of golf every single time i've seen it see that car a few times and i've just kind of i think it blends in i think what would be nice was the example of oh whose indie car has the more blue over the black it's not patos it's rosenquist rosenquist's Rose Rose to number seven that was actually my favorite overall really yep, i really really like that one um, but yeah, I think the McLaren cars, uh, while I wouldn't go as far as saying I love it, I'm not at all offended by it, like I was the 2015 McLaren, which was just abhorrent. Um, I think the, yeah, I, I like to see it. I'm sure it's going to look good on track. It looks 
like a modern F1 car. And I think that's just because of the huge slew of adverts on it. Yeah, not going dislike, to dislike looking at it. It's just kind of, yeah, it's there. It's there, it gets the job done. Hopefully it's going to be on the podium quite a few times. That's... It's, it's weird. It's not. It's not like a meh. It's a seven out of ten. Personally, I'm perfectly happy with it. I'm not going to be like, oh, like bizarrely with the Aston Martin, which I'm surprised I like as much as I do. I'll, I'll be like, oh yeah, on track that thing looks amazing. On track, I'll probably be like McLaren, and then the conversation will end there, and it'll be. It'll then depend on where they are on the track. <laughs> I still wouldn't crop McLarens, although that would be practically impossible for um, IndyCar. How come? Ovals, the way it reflects, uh, the sun reflects uh, on the oval. You could, <laughs> you could potentially have a driver really close on the other line, and you would fucking blind him. Oh my god! Because it, it would it would reflect on your helmet and then on the aero screen. It, it would literally blinding. Getting sniped from the McLaren in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I can see why now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we'll, I like. It's a nice car, that McLaren. It's it. That's the better. That's proof. I think Chris has said it right. It's nice. Yeah, and that's that. It, it, yeah, I, I, there's not. I can't add much more to that. And it's yeah. I'm kind of disappointed, but I'm also happy. It's not crap. Yeah. yeah. Now, well, like you, Pedro. What, I mean, I like it. It's 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 a good looking car, and but it's it's not. As I said, I would rather have Chrome McLarens, as impossible as that may be. I think the one thing that do stands out a little bit more, more than the car itself for McLaren is, um, you know, the whole presentation of the team. The fact that they're actually mm -hmm. introducing an entire team instead of just F1 cars. This Smart is Zach Brown's, uh, Zach Brown's master plan is coming together it's for brilliant. one massive team that races in different categories rather than lots of separate teams that are somewhat linked by a name. Mm -hmm. This is, they're looking for the global brand of McLaren and to make it well, they're looking for global domination in motorsport, basically, aren't they? You yeah. know what they were they would be missing from that? Ooh. A NASCAR team. Yeah. <laughs> well, that could so, be fun. The other plan is send Ricardo to NASCAR and give Pato his car in F1. Yeah. And exactly. then it will be a happy, well, happy man. You've hit on something I was thinking about earlier. I've had loads of days isolating and I've been thinking about things. And the the way of getting Pato Award <laughs> into F1 is, is Pato Award. Hold Warming. on, guys. He's been thinking about things. <laughs> Strap yourselves in. Beware. Hello, everyone. But what I was going to say before I'm so rudely interrupted. How was COVID for you? It was great. I thought about things. <laughs> I thought about stuff. It was good what did you think? What things did you think about, Alex? The, if they're really good, we'll put them on the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> you are such a dick. <laughs> I was going to say, the way Pato Award gets into F1 is by taking yeah. Daniel Ricciardo's seat, whenever that is. Because right Pato isn't going to drop an IndyCar seat with McLaren mm. to go okay. to Haas or okay. even Aston or something. And... Ricardo, unless he starts winning instantly this year, his time in F1 is limited. And that is the way in. Yeah, I think, the, yeah, you're right. The, the NASCAR approach, while it seems somewhat almost flippant to say, there's a good chance that will be championed by Daniel Ricardo. 
Obviously, he's gotten well enough with Zach Brown. There's, there's obviously, even if his performances still wind a little bit, there's a good relationship going on there. And actually, that's something that's been quite apparent with all of them is how happy everybody seemed. I was quite taken back by Daniel Ricciardo looking so positive because um, he's been he'd been talking quite openly about how it's not been a great season for him, six out of ten despite the win. To see him coming back and looking like he's ready to you know get on with it again was quite encouraging. But yeah, I think absolutely right. Um, we know that guy loves NASCAR. And let's face it, he's probably made enough money in F1 to be ha- reasonably happy for the rest of his life. So he won't need to have a seat that's as high profile as a Susan McLaren in Formula One. And if it becomes a passion thing, and it's something that he's actually good at as well, even better. And then, as you say, it's another aspect for McLaren to you know, start really strengthening ties on this worldwide motorsport thing they've got going on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think, that's an, I think that's a, that was a good thing you thunk, Alex. Well done. And, um, Thank you. Just to finish it off... Uh, Ricardo's mentality is actually, you know, it would fit so well with NASCAR because it's, it's it's such a long season. There's so many damn races in the calendar. There's 36 of them. And if you win one of the, how many there? One of the tw- first 24, you get a chance for the championship. Yeah. All you got to do is win a single race, just like he won a single race in, in, in Monza last season. Mm, good way exactly. And he would have the advantage at, at most uh, road courses that he would have the nat- natural advantage of knowing what it is to turn right as well as left on the same course. Yes, which is, I know there's I know there's more road courses this year and last year. It's that most NASCAR's speciality, NASCAR driver's speciality, isn't road courses. Because is it was it Marcus Ambrose? Yes, from yeah from a while back. He was epic on road courses, the Australian guy. So it was Montoya, let's not forget that. As, yeah, Montoya as well. But was they lacked the they just weren't as good on ovals because they hadn't grown up with it in the same way. It wasn't part of them the DNA of of their of their um motorsport life until they got into NASCAR. The thing is, it wouldn't be that easy. Yes, he would have a, a big advantage because he's coming basically from the toughest road racing category in the entire world. But these new drivers, they go to IndyCar, they drive IMSA, they test themselves in 24 hours of Le Mans. And they have act- they've been, uh, they've built a car for them, specially made for road course racing. Well, maybe it's not as easy. I, 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 actually, I, I, I actually believe it would be the other way around. He would do extremely well at the ovals, but not at the road course. Oh. Ooh. How did Villeneuve and Montoya get on with those sorts of aspects? Villeneuve? Oh, Villeneuve was, well, he won the Indy 500, so he's quite good at the oval bit. Yeah. But then because he was cart more, more, more often than IndyCar, which were two separate things at the time, Yeah, um, he, uh, he grew up with both doing road courses, which 90s cart was a, basically a 90s F1 car, just with yeah. slightly less downforce. And he also had the in the um, oval in his in his life. You said Villeneuve, and, and I think, well, Villeneuve just got into NASCAR. I, I completely forgot you were talking about IndyCar. God, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, Montoya had this thing. Um, it He's great in IndyCar, but he had this thing in NASCAR with ovals uh, that he just didn't know or didn't want to follow. I don't know which one is, which of the two it was. But at times it seemed like you didn't really want to follow all the sort of like common courtesy, courtesy things you do in NASCAR, such as letting the leader go by if you're being lapped. Okay. You're number 40, but you're going to fight for your fucking number 40 spot and you're going to do everything <laughs> you can do to not let 
Billy to go by. Yeah, that sounds very Montoya-like. He broke my fucking head. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty. Fucking Raikkonen, fucking Raikkonen. <laughs> and also, Montoya did something. Yeah, at times he did struggle with ovals, and and there's actually a patch in the backstretch of the Tona that exemplifies that. He crashed into a drag dryer. Yes, it blew up and went straight on fire, didn't it? And he's. Mm-hmm. It wasn't his fault. Didn't he have a bunch of tire or something? But it was a massive crash during a yellow flag, Mary. Yeah. Oh, that doesn't sit particularly well, does it? No, it was. I don't think. Was it actually his fault, or is he absolved blame? He just lost his car. I mean, there's so many contexts and crashes in NASCAR that you cannot really put the blame on people because it, it just happened. <sighs> he came out of out of pit of uh, out of pits way too fast. Lost this car trying to take the you know the banking, not the proper oval banking, but you know the uh, we call it the skirt, the bit that's below the yellow line. Yes, yeah. He lost the car and just went straight into the tire. All right, yeah, yeah, me. So I think we still have a few liveries to talk about, minus mm-hmm. the blandest of them all that we have discussed previously, the Russian guys. <laughs> yeah, the problem Coffee is paste. it's. It's basically the same as last year without enough changes to make it interesting. It's just a bit dull. Yep. The issues I brought up before, I think it's a really cool design. It's just such a shame that the, the way it's happened is so ridiculous. Like, obviously, the fact the Russian flag isn't really allowed to be flown in Formula One. So, like, screw it, we'll stick it on the American car. Um, yeah, I think they could have made some changes. I mean, even doing something as simple as just changing the entire car from white to black, which of course, you could have still had white bits for the flag, obviously. That would have been, even if it's the same design, but black, it would have been something a little bit different. But again, Red Bull and Ferrari, well, Red Bull in particular, kind of do similar things too. So I guess we can't really uh, delve into it too much, but it's not exactly a livery that's brought them success, fame and fortune. Mm-hmm. The problem is it made impact last year, didn't it, where we went, oh, look at that hat. It's all white with a bit of blue and a bit of red. And the more you watched it, they realised it's, it's not actually that stunning. Mm. Yeah. And it hasn't actually improved very much on the new car, unfortunately. Well, I mean, what were the colors before the whole bridge energy thing? Uh, gray, was that gray, red, black, wasn't it? There looked some lines of white every now and then, too. Yeah. The, the 2017, the second mark, the Mark II 2017 livery was nice, which was mainly a, a kind of grayish blue with white, and it worked really well. Yeah. But other than that, it's just a bit corporate. I see. Yeah, just a bit. So, what do we think about the uh, the air vent, the air vent painted with, with green stuff on it? It's a very massive air vent, isn't it? It's huge. Miles. It's the it's. I can't understand how that's still made such a massive bodied car compared to everyone else. But the thing is, the livery is good, but the car itself looks awesome. Oh yeah, it's it looks the mean. Chassis of the lot. I'm I'm loving the return of slightly higher noses. I think they look so cool. <laughs> oh yeah, I quite, like, I quite like noses that are attached to the front wing. Yeah, for decades now, so it's quite nice to have those back as well. Well, that's because I, I I remember watching the reveal of the Aston and being like, huh, fair enough. Then later that day, I saw the pictures of us at Silverstone, and I was like, oh my god, man, cool. yeah. And it's, it um, so- I'll be I'll be bringing that point up again with a car that we'll be discussing shortly as well. But that was one where I was like, wow, okay. And I, I even looked at the side-by-side with the studio and I was like, 
what happened? Why does it look so cool? Um, yes, the top-down perspective, this the side pods being so chunk is quite interesting. And I'm intrigued to see if one of these teams has found the miracle thing that's got it right. I mean, McLaren suspension is the only one that's uh, that style. We've got t- different side bodies in the car. I mean, the Ferraris have done their own version of Eau Rouge on their side pods. So I'm really looking yeah. forward to seeing like what sort of differences they're going to be like. It, I know testing is going to happen. I'm sure there's some things they're still keeping secret. But it looks like there will just be a genuine difference that could really shake it up or make it particularly close in the weirdest way. Like I've always, I've always quite enjoyed when one car has a strength on one part of the track and another car has a different strength on a completely other different part. So like going into Spa, say the Mercs are amazingly good in a straight line, but then in the corners they're starting to suffer a little bit. That could be fascinating. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully you'll have all these different concepts and all will have be their ultimate lap time will be about the same. Yeah. So everyone keeps going down that. Um, concept and like you said you'll have different cars at different tracks are better than others which will always keep a championship alive because if a concept is particularly epic at Monza no one is ever beating that and same for Monaco and as much art and stuff so it's yeah hopefully they're all pretty good you don't want anyone to be miles behind because they'll just copy other people's concepts so hopefully more than yeah. one will work is there any I'm not Ferrari have done having bird baths in the side of their car. <laughs> Very odd. Hmm. Hey, sorry, what did you say, Pedro? Is there any other car we're missing? Uh, the Williams. Yeah, Williams. The Williams, oh, which right, again, yeah. the Williams, which is one when I saw the studio pictures, went, huh, really yeah, big. Huh. Then saw it on track and went, ah. I don't know, again, what it is. Uh, the body, obviously, was quite different. We saw quite a few differences there. And it has, again, the kind of Aston Martin front nose where it's quite half the ground. But yeah, the studio pictures looked completely bland. And then on track, it looks amazing. I love how that car looks on track. And I'm only assuming it's going to get better with live pictures because I'm like, you know, it's like moving pictures. God, how old do I sound? This newfangled video technology. Um, but yeah, The train came out of the cinema screen at me. I had to leave, it was going to hit me. Um, I'm assuming there'll be some instances where dusk at Abu Dhabi, nighttime at Singapore, middle of the day at um, Melbourne, those sorts of things. Uh, I'm intrigued to see how it's going to work. And that's one thing I've heard as well. These cars look different in person, which I heard from last year too, that last year's Aston, which I didn't really consider as anything special, looked fantastic in person, but on TV was just missing a little something. So yeah, the Williams, I'm quite, quite happy by. I love the little bit of red. They were teasing kind of this big retro deal. And apart from the fact the front of the nose looks like a kind of old old indie car, possibly. That's the only retro thing yeah. I can really see of it. But yeah, that's a gorgeous looking car too. I mean, it's, it's not retro at all. No, not even slightly. <laughs> it doesn't even have... This thing actually, this over here in Latin America, this thing caught a bit of fire and, and it got him into a bit of heat for a while, a couple of days. The Senna S at the very end of the nose, is no longer in the car. Hmm. I am not against that occurring because it's no longer the same Williams that Senna drove for. Well, there's two things. There's, there's that side. There's the fact they've made the whole Senna department in the um, uh, Williams Heritage Centre. Um, there is the aspect, of course, it's not a particularly difficult thing to do, to put the Senna logo on there. But also, the thing I found weird, of course, it was the car that he perished in, essentially. But he only wrote, what, four races with Williams? Two. Uh, well, yeah. Two full races. Three. Three races. <laughs> well, halfway through the third race. Um, and yeah, like, it, it was a nice... Corner of the second. 
it was a nice thing for them to do, but I feel like the link between Williams and Senna was never one. It's never the one I think of. I think of him at McLaren. I think of him at Lotus. Hell, I think of him at Tolman. I don't really think of him at Williams at any point. So, yeah, the fact they carried on for Senna was a nice touch. It's something they could easily continue, but is that kind of it's a new start for Williams? They uh, obviously they still they still call it the FW44, which is nice. I appreciate that they've done that. That's a very nice touch. But yeah, the 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 S is one that goes either way. I can, I'm 50 50. I can go either way on that one and see that, say that it's the right choice. Um, either if they kept it or if they didn't. So, yeah, I'm glad they did it so publicly. If they, if they, if they didn't do it and then someone's like, oh, they've taken the S off and then it happened that way, that would have been probably a bit of a PR disaster. But the fact they came out of it and also said, yes, we've also made this entire center like memorial trust thingy majig. Yeah, a little bit of a strange one. I mean, not to be rude, but there is an element of. For want of a better phrase, get over it. Because you do not see every Ferrari driver that's dead on the Ferrari car. You do not see any McLaren driver, former or whatever, who's died is on the car. And it's, yes, a lot of the teams that drivers died in don't exist anymore. But why should one driver, in this case Senna, have the monopoly on being remembered? Mm. Yeah. In that sense, you know, because what, you know what, it, what it does, unfortunately, is takes away a lot of uh, attention from other drivers that have died in the sport. Yeah. Which that, there will always be an element of that because it's Senna and he will always have that effect on most people. But it's it's losing that off the car isn't, for me, a problem. It is natural progression. Whilst they're not forgetting him, it is a natural progression of What's been? It's been 20... No, has it been 20 years? Yes, it's been 20, 28 years this year? Uh, yes. Yes, pretty much. It's it's similar to the... Yeah, it, it's just... Yeah, I don't... Whilst I know me and Chris aren't exactly the biggest Senna fans in the world, it, it seems somewhat harsh that no other drivers are remembered in such a way yeah particularly as there's um, been a lot it'd be the sort of thing if they did it every time they raced at Imola that'd be quite a nice touch something yeah. like that perhaps um, they go to Brazil they think they go to Brazil yeah exactly yeah. yep those sorts of things have it have it as those things as like and then because actually that makes it slightly more special than it being at every single race having a specific moment and saying hey the the SR the Senna S is back in our car for this Brazilian weekend yeah that has, has a nice ring to it. I mean, we've lost people far more frequently, uh, far more frequently, far more recently that, um, yes, we had special design helmets, we had stickers on the car. They went after one race or two races or so. And in some cases, some people still have a special tribute on some of their helmets, but that's a personal connection. And I feel like there's not going to be very many people who are working for Williams who would have had that personal connection with Senna still, for example. So, it's again, it's one I can go either way on, um, but I'm glad they came out with it the way they did. They handled it nicely, which was a good good thing to take from it. Yeah. Now, there's one car we're missing, I believe. It is one that completely changed colors this morning. Well, it's my morning. I don't know what time it was for you. Oh, afternoon. <laughs> okay. That was like six in the morning for me. Mercedes I think you find it was nine in the still... morning for us, Chris. I was it. Oh, I was yeah. refreshing Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Mercedes and silver once again. They love it. Yes, it's back to silver after the having the black design for two two years. But they've mm-hmm. kept the black race suits, which I'm very happy with because they look cool. I think the um the black the black car did look cool as well. 
Um, that was Alex sneezing, by the way, for any of you who think that sound might have been something else. That is, uh, not, that is not a turbo torch engine, that is. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, I think they come back soon. I think it's kind of the right time for it with the start of it being a new era. Obviously, the um, the message with the black car, which was for the BLM movement, which is still going on, obviously, um, it ran the risk of just becoming the norm as opposed to being something that is breaking the mold in a way. So I can understand why they did that. Um, but still retaining the black suits keeps part of it, I feel. So I feel like it's not they're not dumping all of it forever and saying, hey, it was a fad, it's over now. They're still keeping part of that with them, which I really appreciate. And it's gone back to the, I think we can now kind of say historic silver, because of course that was many of the, most of the, most of the championship winning cars were in silver, both back in the 50s and in the uh, 2010s. So it's a historic livery, it's back. I wish it had some white on the front of it, maybe wearing some old costumes, because then that means every pit stop would go wrong horrifically, except for George's. Um, so, <laughs> nah, I'm back to silver. I This is, again, one of those cars, like the McLaren. I was like, Mercedes, there you go. Yeah. I have nothing against it. There's yeah. nothing particular I particularly like about it. It's just the car, and it's done it well. So it's, it's another one to put in the, eh, thumbs up, but not a particularly enthusiastic or over-the-top thumbs up, just a thumbs up. It's all good. Gotta agree. It's it's nice, but it's not special. But then when you've got a car like which is based mainly around silver and teal, you're gonna to struggle to make something special out of that. Yeah. And year after thing. year, you will struggle. They've still got this weird fetish for putting patterns on the back of the car. I don't know what it is. They're like, okay, all the AMG, just AMGs everywhere. Now it's like stars. Yeah. Stars. Why? I don't get I don't really get it. The, the one thing I thought and, and, and the one thing I thought, yay, I'm 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 doing a yay, I'm doing an Alex right now. I'm thinking things. <laughs> good isn't it? It's it's good fun. I, I thought they were gonna do when they started, I thought they were gonna do something like um, have you seen college football helmets? Mm. They put stickers at the back for the number of games played by a certain player. Each game, it's a new sticker. I thought it was going to be a you know brand new emblem or sticker or whatever it is for for every race. Hmm, oh, that could be interesting. Which would be cool to see. I mean, we would see essentially a, a blank car uh, for George Russell, pretty much. Yeah, but that's the thing. With somebody as amazing as George, we'll make sure the attention stays on him. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's an interesting thing to see. I, there's a very interesting response from George Russell, and this is this isn't me going into it at all. Love the guy, George. Um, but the way you pointed at the sky, it's if you, it's if he was he's upstairs. Dead. No, he's upstairs. <laughs> I bet he doesn't live where you live, Chris. I'm sorry. No, he absolutely doesn't. Um, but yeah, uh, he he has his traditional red helmet, which he wore throughout his junior career, and obviously he went to kind of a blue one for Williams because it made it look better. But then he said he's not wearing the red helmet anymore in respect for Schumacher, and I can understand where that's coming from, but it seems very PR. It seems and, ridiculous PR to me. George is all PR. We know this. This is a no, man who he knows how to work the media and he will always work the media as well as he can. Mm. But there's, there's this a difference. Is what happens when you have a very clever person who's a very good driver as well. It's like Lewis. Lewis knows what he's doing with media. George is no different. George does it better. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting <laughs> choice. And I'm surprised. I'm like, I was kind of surprised by the news overall. I was wondering how you guys, when you, when you guys saw that for the first time, what was the first thing that came into your mind? Because mine wasn't nice tribute. Well done. It was, ah, yeah. Fine. It's, it's a bit odd, isn't it? It's, it's almost like the, the Senna S. It's, it's a similar scenario, which mm. I, I associate 
just like everyone else, I assume, Michael Schumacher with Ferrari. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Not not with Mercedes. I mean, to say that you're doing it out of out of respect for Michael in in a Mercedes. I mean, how many seasons did he raise for Mercedes? Three. Two or three. Is three three with three. one podium on one three with one podium on one nearly pole position. There you go. Three, and it didn't do a good job of it. There's a thing that's saying that actually in the time where he was doing that, of course, he was outraced by Nico Rosberg. Nico Rosberg, the only driver to beat the two greatest of all time in the same car, just putting it out there. Um, uh, he, <laughs> um, there's a lot to say that Schumacher did a lot of. There's a lot to say that did a lot of developing behind the scenes and helped out in that aspect. But he was quite fundamentally beaten in all three years by Schumacher uh, by Rosberg. My apologies. What I've heard, and I, I can't remember who I heard it from. Was it? Was it Nicky Lauda? I, I can't remember. But there was someone that said that he hated the simulator. He wanted to test the real car every single time. And in that, you know, in that time of testing the actual car, he pretty much broke a shitload of cars. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> but he he left a big financial statement at least. <laughs> I think Alex is looking up to very actually no, he's not, don't worry. Ignore me. I was just, you were right. I was actually looking stuff up. I'm just trying to work out whether George has a, an affinity to Schumacher. Because you and me, Chris, we grew up in the eras of Schumacher dominated. His last championship, I was 14. But George is a little bit younger than us. And I don't know if he grew up watching him and remembering it. He's, four years young. he's 24, so he's four years younger than me. He's my age. Your age. So how much of Schumacher do you remember when you grow up? Three years, 2004, five, and six. That's pretty. Yeah. I remember I remember the Mercedes era, but that has never really struck to me yeah. as the real, like the real quote unquote Schumacher. Hmm. Hmm. So it's it's an interest. It's not like he's mine or Chris's age where you clearly grew up watching him and just loved him. Because there's a lot of people of our generation that do. He's a bit potentially too young to have those feelings, but I don't know how much he remembers. Maybe he remembers stuff when he's three or four, and therefore yeah. it's always Schumacher winning. The first, the first car he remembers is the red car by chance, something like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, if if it's any, if he's anything like me, which would be asking a lot because he's an F one driver, and well, myself, right? I'm not an F one driver. It could very well be that same thing. You know, the first car you remember, the first car that pops into your head, it's Michael Schumacher's Ferrari. And that's that. one that's winning every time. Yeah. All the rest is Force India. Every I will time. point out to everyone who is listening on the podcast, Chris has just bumped his chest and is looking up at the sky longingly. He's on the third floor. In prime. Yeah, there's no way there's a third floor in that building. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything left to say about the uh, deliveries we've seen so far? Oh, for Tauri was a bit dull. Oh, God, I even forgot about that uh, one. Yeah. It's just a like, bit boring. I like the big writing on the side, but it's the same car. It's, yeah, it's, it's yes. I, like, I, like the, I like the colors. I think they're so close to Williams Rothman, which I quite appreciate. But it's the same as last year's car, which was just the inverse of last year's car. And after seeing it for two races, 
after seeing last year's car for two races, I can remember what the previous year's car looked like. And after two races with this one, I'm not going to be able to remember what the previous car looks like. I want, I want, uh, I want the red and blue ones back, the shiny ones with Brendan Hartley. I'm going to use a word I used earlier, and that's corporate. Oh, yeah. And it is just—it's the same as the actual Red Bull. It's—it's it's highly corporate. It's Red Bull itself will go down as an iconic livery because it just is. Doesn't make it very interesting, but it just is iconic. The Alpha Tower is just dull. I've got mm. I—it's it, not very interestingly done. I—it's just. Uh, I'd say it's a good doll. It's it's a very inoffensive doll, and it looks it's quite not, good seeing it on track. Thing is, it's not bad. So it, it it's almost worse than that. You can't say it's a bad livery because it's not a bad livery. It's just a bit boring. No, mm. it's it's dull, but it isn't boring. I think it kind of is because they're not doing anything interesting with it. It's just kind of uh, make that bit that kind of bluey thing. Then we'll do the rest white. Well, let's but invert it. it. Eh, it's all right. It, let's do it. It looks elegant. I mean, it's it's not like Has. Has is wide, but it's 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 on your face with the giant Has logo and the entire Russian flag running all over the car. Hmm. I think at least the AlphaTauri, like the the colors themselves, are kind of unique in West. Of course, I related them to Williams Rothman hmm. earlier, but they're kind of new to what they are in the sport currently. Um, it's it does it does the job. It does the job. It stands out, which is a plus point in the yep. favor. It stands, stands out without being offensive, which is a big plus point. I think it's just because it looks similar to last year's one and they got rid of those gorgeous white rims, which obviously I'm, I'm sure that would have been more difficult to do with the new tyres. But like the one with the white tyres last year looks amazing. I think just because it looks the same, it is going to be a little bit... Because it's, it's, it's the same, it's going to be marked down a little bit. But to be fair, I like what they've looked like for the last two years, so I'm not too upset. I'm like... I don't, I don't really know what I was expecting from AlphaTauri anyway. I, was, I wasn't expecting grand gestures like 2017, for example, which kind of just, oh. you know, <laughs> which came out of nowhere. Um, Fantastic, I like Yeah, gorgeous. Um, it, it does the job, it does it well, and I, I like it. It's, 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 again, it's very similar to the McLarens and Mercedes for me, where it's like, nice. Maybe a step down just because it's a little bit uninspired, possibly. But even as an uninspired car, I still think it looks lovely. I agree. Um, anything else left to talk about F1 before we move on to covered wheels? Uh, I want to make a bold prediction and say the Alpine is going to be the best livery. I gotta, I, I gotta say it's going to be the worst. <laughs> My word. I think Chris going pink, out on a limb there. Jesus. Pink and blue, Miami Vice, I'm ready. <laughs> Please I, do, yes. As someone who on, on YouTube has said that they like hot messes, this could be the hottest of the messes. This could be the messiest car, and I want that. How come All the you're cars not an Aston are... fan? Sorry? How come oh, you're no, not no. an Aston fan? No, hot mess that, is in that's like... That's not hot mess. That's just that's not... rare. Hot mess, doesn't count for... hot mess doesn't count for the fireball you've created and mess of the car everywhere. I want the car to be intact. So, in that case... <laughs> No, I think I'm, 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 that's the thing. I was kind of annoyed when I saw the leak, uh, inverted commas, because that looked like a hot mess. The rest of that car looked like that could have been the hottest of messes. So I'm kind of waiting and holding out. All the cars are quite reserved. They're quite nice. They're quite clean. I need something that stands out for all the wrong reasons. Alpine, <laughs> please don't let me down. Did <laughs> little pink and the slightest bit of blue. Exactly. you got to remember, <laughs> this is a person who enjoyed... The 2000 Minardi, that kind of sick yellow with a bit of blue in it. And it, oh, 
It's it not was, a good yellow livery. That was and is one of the most standout cars of all time. Oh, I'm choosing I my words very carefully. I don't doubt I that it's standout. <laughs> standout is the correct no. word. It's look just a question it. of whether it looks good. Look at the lines. Yeah, I, I oh. know the lines. I, I know the lines. Don't show them to me again. I've seen them. Gorgeous. I've got the oh, mini champs model of that somewhere, and it's fantastic. It's radioactive. Like, you turn off the lights, and it's still pulsating. <laughs> Fucking awful. <laughs> and on that note, should we move on to NASCAR? Yes, let's go to NASCAR. There's a big race that's not, not in Texas this weekend. The There's an interesting person in there as well. What was that? There's a new interesting person in it. Uh, oh, is so it many Mr. new interesting persons in it. Is it Mr. Controversial, by any chance? It's Mr. Once Had Bleached Blonde Hair. Uh, the guy who also had an album that sold like 400 copies. Yep. He's the guy who's <laughs> now racing with his dad's number. Um, the guy who spun so many times in a race, the camera cut back to the uh, camera to the uh, to his car crew laughing and pointing at him. Right? <laughs> the man who doesn't respect their phone drivers at the moment, constantly, constantly criticising them. Gosh, it could be so many people. <laughs> yeah, we haven't narrowed it down that much, actually. No, it's the 1997 oh world champion. Oh, well saved. Oh, I was about to say super, that was Damon. Uh, 97 world champion. The wall in Oscar terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so... the greatest thing, or not the greatest thing, the most confusing thing, Jack Villeneuve, whose dad is Gilles, has a son now called Gilles, and who has an uncle called Jack. Yep, you heard that right. It's all the same names. Yeah, and he's last time NASCAR. Checked, it's fantastic. Last time we checked, his son actually races NASCAR across the pond, Euro NASCAR. So just, really? just going to say, just okay. gonna say Alex, oh, yeah. Alex, who just complained about the Alpha Tower being too similar, is now talking about how awesome it is that it's Jack Shields, Jack Shields. That's who a similar thing, buddy. <laughs> who said it was awesome? I, I, I never said it was awesome. I was going to ah, say okay. it's confusing. Because there's two Jacks and two Shields, and it's just I, a bit mad. I think what they need to do is every time they use the same name again, they should use it twice. So it's so Gilles, Jack, Gilles, Gilles, Jack, Jack. And there'll be Gilles, 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 Jack, Jack, Jack. <laughs> and I think the head of Mercedes should do the same. So it's Toto, then Toto, Toto, then Toto, Toto, Toto. Toto, Toto. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, no. Oh, no. Otmar, Otmar, Otmar. There's always a moment in the show where if if there's any new listener listener out there, there's always a moment in the show where we just completely break down laughing for whatever fucking reason. Yeah. It's like an animated break in the show. We need to make a compilation. We need to make a compilation of moments because I mean, some of the main ones have been Boris Johnson as head of the F- as head of um, um, race control, race director. We've now yeah. got Toto, 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 Toto. Uh, <laughs> we've had John Todd and his um, getting out of rain by um, Nick DeVries. We got the Nazi things that did not come up on the air, I think. I'm pretty sure I cut it off. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> Oh dear. But yes, back to the closed wheel stuff. Yes, it's the Daytona yeah. 500, which is one of the biggest races, I would say, of closed wheel stuff. I'd say it's probably one of the biggest. It's huge. It's the biggest. <laughs> it's probably the... and it's one of the biggest in closed uh, wheels racing. I think it's probably the biggest stock car race in the world. 
Yeah. Anything that's a tin top, essentially. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. Anything and which has a roof. It's the Super Bowl of racing, we call it. It's probably mm. fair. And that's, Indeed. And that's on Sunday, right? NASCAR is always on Sunday. It's always on Sundays, yeah. I don't know, because there's some things where sometimes they do stuff on Saturdays. Not NASCAR, I'm still new. I'm still new, sorry. Oh, yeah, NASCAR does um, things. Like that. Uh, yeah, but the F1 is NASCAR. Oh, ah, I see. I think it's 10 o'clock our time, which is just about watchable the next day being a Monday. So I'm planning to catch it, absolutely. Um, and yeah, it's just, I'm just looking forward to it. The Daytona track is, I love it. I obviously, I know I've got the, um, I've got the history with the Daytona arcade game, which is very, very not similar in actual reality to track. But I've always, Daytona is one of the tracks I've always wanted to go to. Like it's one of the lists, like um, Austria's up there, Daytona. It's, that's one that's always been there, if not subconsciously for the fact that the theme tune just says Daytona 500 times. But yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. As the NASCAR expert this podcast, Pedro, what sort of predictions or things do you should we be looking out for? For the noobs like Alex and myself, what should they we be looking out for? Expert. I wasn't expecting that. Um, <laughs> as, uh, as you guys said, there's a shitload of new people coming into the sport. There's a bunch of brand new faces, both on the wheel, uh, behind the wheel and off the wheel. There's, of course, Villeneuve. There's a Dutch team coming in. Um, there's, of course, uh, the one and only Latin American driver, my guy, Daniel Suarez. He could very well get a win, and that win could very well be the Daytona 500. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Moni uh, Floyd Mayweather is also uh, joining the sport. He has a car, number 50. Car number 50, fitting enough. Same number huh. of wins. That's, I didn't know that at all. <laughs> uh, yep. Who was that? Sorry, I missed that. Who was it? Floyd Mayweather. No. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's car made it yesterday. He's not driving it, is he? No, he's not. <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> that would be something. That would be great. That, that, would change, managed... that would change pit lane fights, wouldn't it? If he qualified for the Daytona 500, that would completely take the wind out of Jacques Villeneuve's sails, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, he, uh, he has technically qualified to the Daytona 500. You got something to do it for him. <laughs> but he gets he gets a plaque. That's he. Yeah. Nice. Like everyone else, like you, you qualified for the like every single like non-charter team, the teams that don't don't raise a full season, such as his, when they make it to the Daytona 500, since, since they didn't have a guaranteed spot, they're giving sort of like this um, commemorative plaque. Like you've made oh. it to the Daytona 500. They, that, that something like that in F1 would be quite cool. The big races, you know, they're like they have okay, we've got four extra spots. Not necessarily to hang a plaque, but four extra spots for races where you can have one-off competitions. Granted, it'd probably be a bit of a shit show, but still would be fun. Um, yes, I like that. That's a nice touch. Uh, things to watch out for. Um, obviously, the cars, because they seem to be quite fragile at the moment. Like They don't take all that much. Um, they don't take car hits as well as the other carts used to do, at least not hits at the back of the car because the transmission is essentially stuck into the back axle. And if anything breaks on that bit of the car, everything's gone. That's a bad idea for a stock car. Why would you put a gearbox that far back knowing it's going to get punted? Because there is, if you were to put it at the, at the front of the car, would it used to go or at the middle of the car, the car just would be too fucking like front heavy. Okay. Oh dear. That's going to make things interesting. No more bump drafting for you. And uh, uh, the lack of parts. There's there's backup cars, but some of the parts of the car, if 
if a team needed a backup car for, you know, decided on Saturday that they were going for a backup car, that backup car might have to incorporate parts from the other car. Oh, because, okay. Yes, there's a shortage of parts. Huh. That's going to make the big one interesting, isn't it? Well, it's going to make the entire season interesting. Yeah, fascinating. It, it, Who's going to be the cleanest driver? Pretty much, yeah. It, Who is the cleanest driver, would you say, on the NASCAR grid? Oh, Bush Chase, Jr. Probably. Yeah, yeah, probably Chase, Chase Elliott, the Mickey Mouse champion. <laughs> or Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson is also pretty clean. Yeah, he might get. Yeah, this might be the where he get. Yeah, it's it's one of these ones. It's like Alan Prost in the eighties. It's if you just get your car to the finish, boom, championship. Yeah, yeah. So it could be something similar. That sounds of it. Hmm. Sort of close enough, I guess. Yeah, not quite the same way, but it close. Yeah, it's a close enough comparison that I can possibly make. Yeah, and uh, you, there's there's going to be a lot of attention put in the draft. Because drafting is going to be way, way different this year. It, it's not going to be – they're going to draft, but it's, it's going to be similar to F1. I mean, you don't see cars in F1 stuck to each other. Yeah. That's going to change. I think NASCAR is kind of known for so many cars running bumper to bumper. That's going to be an interesting thing to see being done slightly differently. Interesting. Yeah. This is, I'm, I'm getting pumped for this race. I'm excited for this. <laughs> and uh, is there anything else I'm missing? Uh, we had, as, are we doing any topics or Daytona 500 topics? I don't think we have time for that. We have seven minutes left. That's it. We'll stick with Daytona 500. There's one thing I was missing, I remember, and this is quite big. Um, NASCAR, for the past couple of years, six, seven years, there's been this tendency to cheat on with your wheels. Just to make gain a couple tens of a second at pit stops. Okay. This, year, this year, NASCAR basically thought um, they were going to get rid of cheating because they were going to have wheels with a single lug nut. Because <laughs> what, what they used to do is basically just put super glue on, on every single lug nut. In order for them to stay in the tire, you just put it on, bolt them in, and that, that was that. But now teams have found a way to put wax on the <laughs> lug nut. <laughs> I've never yes. seen how they didn't see that coming. But yeah, um, they learn how to put wax on the on lug nuts, and there's one car that has actually been had. You know, all their tires have been taken away, just to check on them. <laughs> yeah, this is nice. sounding fun. <laughs> Bring on the controversy! Here we go. Other than that, I don't think there's anything more to oh, say. I was gonna say. One uh, sticking sort of with American motorsport, uh, Napa, you know, the sponsors for Alexander Rossi, etc. In doing the BTCC with Motorbase, those Ford focuses look amazing. Oh, yes, they everything, do. Everything you put Napa on looks amazing. It looks awesome. Absolutely. And with the, the team of Dan Kamish, Nash Sutton, I think there's a championship in there for them. But yeah, those cars look good. Yeah. Properly good. I love that. Yeah, Sutton, who is uh, defending his championship yet again, he's defending yep. this year. Isn't he? Yeah, he's defending us. It'd be a good year to win him. But um, who did um, Tom Gilson say? Hang on, hang on. I've just thought of something. So if we've got Andretti coming into F one, mm-hmm. Alexander Rossi drives for Andretti, right? Mm-hmm. It would be a Napa he car. Napa sponsorship. What if we get Napa sponsorship in F one? 
that would be that would be just weird. <laughs> but it would be so good. But I mean, well, this is the question for you guys because I live in the other side of the you know the world. I've seen Napa's. There's a shitload of Napa's just crossing the border. Are there any Napa's outside the UK? Um, I, I, they're, they're, they're appearing. There's a few garages which have Napa sponsorship on them. So they've got parts somewhere from Napa. So it's they're making their way over here. But okay. it's not a big thing yet. Yeah. But I think there's only, only 6,000 locations worldwide at the moment. And like half of them are in the States. Yes, I, I, just, I, suggest, I suggest three quarters are probably in the States. <laughs> yeah, there's not many over here. There's a few. There's a few around, but it's not huge yet. Yeah, Although, Napa, if Napa they're thinking the of making themselves a worldwide brand, that's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Hmm. Hmm. Two more things about uh, not properly NASCAR, but American motorsports. Goodyear is supplying tires for their first mm-hmm. international category since 1992. Nice. 92. Wouldn't it be 96? When did Goodyear stop doing F1? I might have been. Uh, I thought, was it 96, 97 they stopped doing F1? I may be completely wrong. I thought it was Goodyear and Bridgestone in the mid 90s. I I could be entirely wrong, but either way, it's the 90s. Yeah, thing is that that last year in which they provided tires for F1, that was their last year. Outside the U.S. Wow, they are yeah. coming back as tire suppliers for the WTCC. Wow, interesting. Okay, good to see that again. Good to have that name back in. Good, good to have them back in. And you didn't ask for my pick for the Daytona 500, but I'll give it to you anyways. Joy Logan, well, I think you've already told us you 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 think it's Daniel Suarez, surely? Uh, yeah, but that comes from the heart. Oh, I okay. The, I I know the guy's good. I know he's going to run at the front. But he's not, you know, he's not a lock pick for the win. Oh, okay. brain say. Yeah, I mean, what most of my countrymen feel for Checo Perez, I feel for that guy. Okay. okay. <laughs> Joel Logano is going to make a comeback from the back of the field because he crashed in the qualifying and he's going to win. And getting another win. Possibly the nicest car out of all motorsports. Look it up. Which which car is it? Joey Logano's 2022 car. Sorry for everyone listening that me and Chris are now just going on our computers looking for Joey Logano 2022. You get two minutes to look it up. <laughs> uh, what number is he? Is it the Pennzoil car? Is it, is it the yellow one, the Pennzoil? It's a yellow Mustang. Yes, it is. Ooh, they look good. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I like it to be fair. That's a good looking one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like so that. For the, for the question this week, should we ask if people are going to be watching the Daytona 500 and see what the spread is? You wanna you wanna pull that says zero? I was gonna say, I'll, why don't you do what the I'll worst vote. livery is? <laughs> what was that? Do the worst livery that we've oh. talked about. Because that'll be interesting. You'll end up with some people going half, some people going after Terry, a lot of people going for McLaren. How many, options can we put on a, how many options can we put in a poll? Oh, as many as you want. But I thought he was, was I thought he was meaning uh NASCAR. Oh, <laughs> like, oh I was thinking of that shitload of liveries. That'd Sorry. be a hell of a list. Yeah, do um, say, yeah, yeah do, do the cars. We'll I'll, we'll put our votes on as well. I'll go on Spotify and vote and say, yeah, which you think the least favorite is, right? 
Yeah, least favourite. Least favourite. For once, for once, Haas is going to dominate something. Anyway, we need to wrap up oh. less in a minute. Yes. Yes, that's right. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Thank you very much for subscribing. Thank you very much for just listening and just listening to us ramble and laugh like crazy for a, a, an hour, hour and a half. On that bombshell, guys, we have to end the show, and we'll see you next week.